Hello, everyone, and welcome to You Love to See It, a podcast where we watch movies and TV shows and then tell you all about them. This week, we're watching 2019's Ryan Johnson whodunit Knives Out, and it was one of the best movies of 2019, if uh, our Twitter timelines are to be believed. I am fanbyte.com editor-in-chief John Warren, and I'm joined today by Features and Trending Editor Merritt Kay. Hello. Uh, Senior Editor Danielle Riando. Hello, hello. And Managing Editor Stephen Strom. Hey, hey. And we have a special guest today. It is our um, our crime and murder editor. His name is Jean Sinclair. Please welcome to the show, <gasps> Jean Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Hello. Bienvenue. <laughs> uh, I, I am here to discuss. <laughs> no. Is this are are you doing a French thing or a Cajun no. thing here? No well, one knows. Well, here's the thing. Montclair, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh I tied one on quite tight last night. And uh I did not know I was supposed to be here at this hour. So uh Oh my god. No, Jean you Sinclair. slid into something Jean, else. Jean Sinclair just fell down a well. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh my god. Are you okay? Do you see any evidence oh, uh, of foul play? I yeah, don't. <laughs> I don't. And he is definitely dead, so we're gonna move on. One of his um, many, many enemies finally got to him. But yeah. he had so much character development. He did. <laughs> he really did. He, he did have an arc. What a, I guess we're gonna have to put out a resume for a, a, a JD for a new... Uh, Crime and murder editor. There's so much Shit. fan art of him. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. All right. Well, uh, how how familiar? First of all, how familiar are y'all with Ryan Johnson aside from the Last Jedi? Zero. Zero. Okay. Because this is not his first foray into kind of building a mystery, and because he's made Looper, and he also yeah. made uh, a movie called Brick, which has a lot of its DNA. I think Knives Out is. Kind of a classic whodunit, but Brick is a noir film that he made, uh, I think, back in 2006? 2005 is what I'm reading 2005. here. 2005. Very indie, kind of Super neo-noir, indie. building a mystery. So, like, so entirely I, in a high school, which is yeah, wild. With, with, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is now a weird, um, like, gig economy guy trying to get people to sell <laughs> right. clips. Yeah, anyway. But the, when I when I read that Ryan Johnson was going to do a murder mystery, I was super, super excited because I think he's really good at this. Um, and we've all seen it, right? Correct? Twice. Twi- mm-hmm. Oh, Danielle. Very Doubles. Good. Doubles. Doubles for Danielle. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only seen it the once about like a month ago. I two, saw it before Thanksgiving, but this <sighs> stuck with me. Um, so let's go through a really, really, really quick description because I think like, I think blowing this thing apart is, is really, you know, uh, what we're here to do. So Knives Out, it's a mystery film. It's written, produced and directed by Ryan Johnson. It is a very modern whodunit. So the film follows a family gathering gone awry with, uh, the patriarch is a a writer named Harlan uh, Thromby. Uh, And he is played, of course, by the uh, incomparable Christopher Plummer, um, who was excellent in this film. And uh, they, someone, someone hires a foghorn leghorn detective uh, (laughs) played played by Daniel Craig uh, to investigate the murder alongside the... 
Benoit Blanc uh, to Balls. investigate the murder <laughs> alongside the. Uh, actually, let me say this: they investigate the death alongside local police, including Lakeith St- uh, Stanfield. So, in the family, we've got Daniel Craig, Chris Evans. Oh, sorry. In the family, we've got Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, uh, Catherine Langford. Um, a lot of really cool cast members. Um, and Anna Darmus as Marta, uh, who is uh, Harlan's caregiver. Um, this movie is awesome. Who, who wants to start with kind of like, um, kind of maybe, maybe let's go through the beginning of the film, the setup. Um, Harlan is dead and we find out kind of sooner than expected kind of how he dies. Um, how did, how did y'all like this unfolded kind of fast and then kind of blossom from there. Um, you know, go to walk me through your experience with, with th- the beginning of this film. I think the editing does a lot of work here at the beginning. Uh, yeah. We do have like a, an early, early, early scene where we see the coffee cup, which is a, a very iconic coffee cup. And it'll come into play later on. Like a good whodunit, all sorts of objects, like actual you know, physical props come into play kind of later on, which is very good. Very fun. Uh, and... We find, uh, I think it's, it's uh, is it Donna? Is that her name? The One of the, the sort of caregivers of the house, not of, you know, uh, Marta's a nurse, but uh, I think it's Donna. Is uh, that her it's name? It's not Donna, I don't think. Damn it. Think it's, it's a uh, name. There's a name. It is, it is a name. It's uh, it's Fran, isn't it? Fran's Fran. Fran. <clears throat> yeah. Why did I think she was Donna? Oh, there, Sorry about there that. Is, there is a Donna. There is a Donna. But okay. it's uh, it's one. It's the daughter-in-law. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, soon after that, this family is sort of gathered to give testimony. And we we sort of learn things about the family. We learn things about the death uh, because it happened after, like, a party. The 85th birthday party of, uh, of the Thromby patriarch. And he pissed everybody off in some possible way. And, again, the editing does so much here. And sort of contrasting these fucking dumbass characters uh, <laughs> who are all kind of like degrees of dumbasses and different types of dumbasses, which is very fun and very good, especially when you have character actors of this caliber doing it. Yeah, it's really I mean, they they we cannot stress enough how big of a shithead everyone in this film is. <laughs> um, and it's really good. I mean, it's sold really well in in overstated and understated ways. Um, yes. Understated at first, and then probably overstated later. Because, and I think that 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 makes sense for where things go. Yeah, of course, of course. Like for example, Harlan, who is the sort of uh, you know everybody here is a fail son or a fail daughter here, uh, but he is the fail son who sort of runs the family business, the publishing business, right? And he's talking about his son. His his sixteen year old and you're oh what a good boy they can do on the internet these days and there are these beautiful cuts where Don Johnson's character who is himself a racist asshole is saying a literal Nazi and everybody's just talking about this kid like yep he's an alt right troll he's a Nazi and and it's just going from cut to cut and Harlan being like oh so great what kids can do online these days it's just very very good in terms of just showing you exactly who this movie cares about and how you should care about them and what it thinks of, you know, alt-right trolls, basically, which is which is very, very good and well done and will come into play several times later. It, 
and immediately like shows uh, between John Don Johnson's character and um, Tony Collette's like sort of Gwyneth Paltrow stand-in um, character yeah. and a bunch of different characters throughout this. Like shows a wide, like the entire family is like basically a pale spectrum of what racism looks like in America <laughs> among. Uh, <laughs> Fucking affluent uh, upper middle class up, or upper class, I guess, in this, at this point in um, families in America, like from these sort of like, you know, neoliberal faux woke like um, hippie type character to like the, um, you know, centrist kind of I would say uh, Don Johnson's character is kind of like m- more along the lines of just like, a you know, if he what if he hadn't married into money, he would just be like kind of a shitty like nobody suburban dad um kind of character and that's kind of what he is just by virtue of the fact that he uh is married to jamie lee curtis he kind of uh, has more access to more stuff um and then you know like the actual literal nazi and and so on and so forth and like you know as time goes on we see them show their true colors as the knives truly do come out um you know when things uh escalate pretty quickly here at the beginning and that's what we call a titular line folks the Mm -hmm. knives are out. Knives um, out, beaks bloody. So yeah, so so like you were saying, I mean, Harlan has three biological children. One is dead, and the widow is played by Tony Collette, who is incredible in this movie. <laughs> Truly. Um, and the two biological kids are played by Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon, as we mentioned. Uh, Don Johnson is married to Jamie Lee Curtis's character, and yeah, I think like. Just as a very brief aside about Don Johnson, who is not a super central character, but, like, he has had such a renaissance over the past, like, (laughs) year of just, like, being in things and, you know, being, like, a smarmy shithead most of the time. Um, And he's just very, very good at it. Um, I don't know if it's, like, I don't know, like, years of watching Dakota Johnson, like, be in movies and he's like, man, I should really get back into into this or or what. But it's, like, it's, it's been... I don't know. It's been nice watching him come back into prominence. But wait, uh, wasn't he in that um, that movie where basically the premise was like older people get on Bumble? Oh my god! Oh, what? What is <laughs> this? Book club. Book club. Book club. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yep, no, yep, actually, yep. sorry. The premise is not older people get on Bumble. The premise is that uh, Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenburgen read Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. Oh okay. my god. Yep, and Don Johnson is completely in this. Yes. And yes, right. I remember this. That movie um is kind of incredible. Um huh. features an Andy Garcia who seems like he was drugged and uh doesn't know that he's actually making a movie. I, but, uh, <laughs> I watched I watched the last 15 minutes of this because I like came into the room while Anne was watching the end of it. And you're a hundred percent right about Andy Garcia. I was like I'm like, did Andy Garcia wake up and come to set? Like, mm-hmm. what happened? It was no, really no, no. He, there's a scene where he's on a plane and someone's talking to him, and I'm pretty sure they just like found him on a plane uh, while he was like zanned <laughs> out, and uh, and did kind of a uh, what, what was that Eddie Murphy uh, Steve Martin movie in the '90s where they uh, try to God. trick? They discover that this actor has oh, a twin Bofinger, brother. Bowfinger, Bowfinger. Yes, oh, they do a Bowfinger on him. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. I'm just coming up with anyway. these ridiculous polls today. Let's no, go back to the It's so this good. Is now, this is now you love to see it for book club. So hopefully everyone's seen it. No, I, we might need you at this point. Um, yeah. So the the actors in this the, the, this movie are great. Uh, and the family is so shitty. Um, <laughs> and they are all shitty to Marta, Harlan's caretaker, in a very, like, specific, different way. Like, what... 
what what I guess made you crawl out of your skin the most in terms of how <laughs> this family treated uh, Marta? The uh, the uh, did they establish that she was? Oh my gosh! Now I've forgotten it because they've so we they never established where the, she like, like what Harlan her... knows where she's from, and I think that's the truth. But they all get it wrong. So mm-hmm. now I've forgotten about where she's from. But she's from I think a Central American country, and they are all terrible to her. Um, or she might she might have been uh, born in America. Well, yes, I don't her, think they her, even give like they no, don't even her, establish that much. I think it's her, her mother. It's her mom uh, that was had a, come a, over. Yeah, because yeah. her and yeah because her mother is um, is undocumented, and that is one of the big threats that like is one of the propelling forces of what ends up happening because like her mother would get deported if. Uh, uh, Marta gets like you know accused of murder or pulled into this like into the orbit of this whole scandal. Yeah. Um. So moving along, I think you know Harlan is dead. Uh. We established that uh he died of an overdose of uh morphine, and they immediately think it's a uh a suicide. But Benoit. Well, he died from the cuts. He died oh, from oh my gosh, uh, slitting right. his own throat. Yeah, he does commit everywhere. suicide. Yeah, he yeah, does. There's blood suicide. everywhere. It looks like very you know, as the police very early on the uh, Lakeith is amazing in this movie as like a criminally just underused. Not... Also, what's up? Oh, super criminally underused. underused in this movie. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. He does uh, not get he... enough to do. He does not. I wish he did have a lot more because he is so fucking funny and so fucking good and so subtle and like he just does not fucking care about Blanc's bullshit, even though he's trying <laughs> but, to kind of go along with it. He's like, OK, yeah, uh, here we go. Kind of thing. That, um, part of yeah. what I love about him in in this is to, is because I actually like to me, it does seem like he is kind of in on it to a certain degree. He's just like, OK, I've got shit to do. Like, I'm I, I'm like an actual like detective i have like yeah. a job and other cases to, to do and stuff like that there's other stuff in this city right now but at the same time he's like you know this is kind of fun like i'm a, i'm in on this <laughs> for just long enough where it doesn't like completely uh, interfere with my life but up to a certain point he's like okay you gotta give me something solid here otherwise i need to leave <laughs> yeah, uh, which is like, like <laughs> i can keep playing but only if you give me something that's not weak sauce weak sauce weak sauce like, right yeah 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 good shit you kind, uh, of got, you kind of got the sense that nothing is happening in, like, rural Massachusetts where this is set that, like, he finally is like, yeah, I guess I will kind of go along with this ride. But I do wish, like, if I only had one complaint, I think it was, uh, I do wish it had been more of, like, the play between Lakeith Stanfield's character and Benoit Blanc trying to figure this out. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he was he was really good in this movie. He's this pretty is pretty much oh, good in everything. I, I have true. yet to see something he's not honestly great in same yeah uh i will say this is a already more than two hour movie and it's already got about 37 other characters in it so i can kind of see why certain characters kind of like don't get a ton of time to do what they need to do or what they could possibly do if somebody was a a lesser performer i think in this ensemble it would have just been being run over basically yeah. right like just if you can't shine in this group you would have just been woof there it is off the screen kind of thing because these are 
these are incredible performers chewing the shit out of the scenery, which is <laughs> so much fun to watch. Even even on my second viewing, after I kind of knew, obviously that you know, I, the first time in. I'm I'm watching it. I'm watching for the clues. I'm and really enjoying it as a, a sort of puzzle of a movie, right? That that's what's fun about a whodunit the first time around. It's like, oh, connecting the dots and seeing what's gonna come back and kind of having that little puzzle element to it. And then the second time I was just like enjoying the performances so, so, so much. Uh and they are they are all wonderful. And I really, really, really do love uh the the woman who played Marta here, because she is the only person who's really kind of playing the straight man here, right? Like, she is genuinely right. <laughs> in pain. She has done a job. She's done it well. She's been a very, very good nurse and honestly, like, only friend, a friend. really, yeah. to Harlan. Yep. And this poor woman throws up every time she lies, which is the funniest <laughs> fucking thing in the world. And they they really do this gag well. Like, gross body humor has its place in the world. And, like, it can be really, really tiring. But in this movie, it was always, like, a... Kind of a funny gag. That gag, huh? Cute. Uh, there was a funny <laughs> gag associated with every gag, you know, uh, which worked, I think. I don't think they overplayed it. And it's no. such a stupid, dumb, like, just, it just works. It's such a contrivance. Yes. <laughs> but it's like such a contrivance that you're just like, okay. Like, it, it establishes right off the bat, like, what kind of logic we're working within this yeah. universe and that's why you can honestly it's it's why I can buy a character like Benoit Blanc in the first place yeah. being in this and they also do other groundwork there too like having Benoit like undercutting him constantly and making him kind of feel like a little bit he's good at his job but he's also kind of a dingus where this is like yeah. you know why are you in on interested in this case or whatever he's like oh it's a fascinating case also somebody sent me a huge stack of money <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so good oh yeah I just wanted to say and Armis does so much work here to make it work in what would be a really kind of thankless role as the one person who's actually in pain in this movie right. as every other actor is having the time of their fucking life right <laughs> and she is like actually having to provide all the gravitas here basically all the actual emotional connection the only person who actually cares about her family members right and like actually genuinely cares for other people uh, at least in terms of like in this family right that she gets mixed up with in this really shitty and bad way I mean and, she, cares, uh, she cares about the extended family like against probably her better judgment too. yeah for sure I mean, especially like, the yeah. younger daughter yeah I think that's I think that's like the hardest thing to watch is like these people clearly don't give a shit about her and she's in a lot of pain, but she still kind of has flashes of caring enough about these people to kind of be there and, you know, take care of yeah. things as, as they're grieving. Um, but and that's to try also, not to throw up. And yeah. It's, uh, that's hard. <laughs> and it's, and it's also a bit of guilt though, too, probably of course. Um, because uh, as we do find out like very early on, I mean, what I was, I was a little bit surprised to, to, uh, to, you know, have this kind of, like, drawn out in front of us uh, so yeah. early. But, like, uh, yes, yeah, of course, uh, Harlan did slit his throat, but it's because um, while they were playing their nightly game of Go, uh, or I don't know but if it was nightly, but it was uh, they did it a lot. Yeah. Regular. Yeah. Um, uh, they were cutting up, having a really good time, and... Uh, uh, Harlan is obviously going through something, needs medication. Marta is administering medication, messes up, accident, accidentally gives him a lethal dose of morphine. So we, the audience, are stuck with this really, really, really terrible big secret. And, um, you know, trying not to throw up just like Marta is, I think, <laughs> um, watching this unfold. I, I, uh, 
watching that scene, I was like really, really, really gutted by both performances. Yes. What what was going through y'all's head when uh, when that was unfolding? So number one, so I had two different reactions, especially yeah. my second time watching it where I was really just focused on the performances and really, really just gutted. Right. Just like you said, Marta really is a very good person and genuinely wants to do the right thing. And the second she feels like she fucked up, I immediately I went to in my head in times where I have had a hard time on like a patient call. And like there was one time I fumbled a medicine. I didn't give the wrong medicine, but I like literally fumbled it in my hands. And like I went right back to that. Like, oh, cra- that's just the worst feeling on earth even even just to a, a lesser degree but also emt brain said that's not that's not what happens in a morphine overdose he'd be like high out of his fucking mind he'd right. be like whoa yeah. marta <laughs> like yeah like that, <laughs> that this scene is like really odd to me because it's kind of the locus for my one big issue with the movie which is that it really feels like harlan is supposed to have been like the instigator of this somehow or involved in it somehow because the way he's playing that scene is so calm and it's clear that he had like it's clear from the jump that he hasn't been overdosed um on morphine because yeah exactly he wouldn't it's not like oh you're fine for 10 minutes and then your heart stops right um and so i guess you know within the context of that scene obviously people wouldn't be thinking straight but like oh i'm feeling fine but I'm going to kill myself. Like, <laughs> right. It's just a little, it didn't really work for me. Um, and I was willing to like kind of overlook that because the rest of the movie was, was so well put yeah. together, but like, yeah. The reason I think it actually ended up the, the way I ended uh, I also thought the same thing. Like even at the time, I was just like, this seems weird that he's like not playing up the being, you know, drugged thing at all. But then later <laughs> on when, you know, the big reveal happens that it's, it's not in fact, uh, morphine at all um, and it was all part of a greater scheme um, the thing that ends up selling it for me is they go to such great lengths to establish that um, Harlan is like an eccentric in like the like the very literal sense of the word he's like extremely <laughs> like overdramatic and like um you know, he lives in a mansion that he bought in the 80s that he has filled up with, like, Weta Workshop's props of all of his books. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. like, does not just, like, in you know, it, it, as we move on through the movie, what we discover is that he is, like, starting to cut off uh, each member of his family for various reasons the night before he dies or the night that he does die. And... Um, he does not just like decide to cut them off. He doesn't just inform them that he's cutting them off. He waits for them all to be gathered in one place. Then he has custom fucking envelopes made for each of them. Some <laughs> written in invisible ink to, <laughs> to, to send these things. Like he is such a, you know, it, it, there are, you know, even hints at like the reason that, you know, he is, uh, so lonely. And so, you know, uh, uh, estranged from the rest of his family and stuff like that is because he, you know, was emotionally unavailable for various reasons to his family and then made it, you know, exacerbated the problem by maybe trying to buy their love you know, at a younger age and stuff like that. That's that's reaching a little bit. But, you know, he doesn't seem like he is necessarily a person who um, thinks uh, entirely rationally. And uh, it's actually kind of an interesting thing to me in like this. I forget where I was was hearing this recently, but there was somebody talking about how like motive in uh crime cases in, in criminal cases and murders and stuff like that is often kind of cons- like one of the most overstated elements of crime fiction because mm. 
motive is always like presented as like you need motive means and opportunity and it's just like actually no because mo- people are ridiculous in real life and motive actually <laughs> doesn't mean anything um you know people will do things even like people will it, uh the example i think they gave at the time was like the nixon uh the watergate scandal was like you know nixon was going to win that election regardless but he did it anyway because he was a paranoid weirdo and i yeah. think in this case harlan is an overdramatic weirdo <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the first time I saw it, I actually had misunderstood that whole part. The first time I watched it, I actually really thought that he had this plan and that he had somehow been involved with uh, Chris Evans' character in switching the medications because mm. he was that calm, because he had that much of a perfect yeah. explanation. I thought he had written this like one of his books right. and had actually been involved with Chris Evans' character doing the thing. And then the second time I was like, oh, I was wrong about that, actually. <laughs> so, sure. And there's there's yeah. also a line before all this goes down when they're playing Go, where he says something about wanting to do like one last jape on them or something. Right. Like, yeah. To do one last thing. And uh, so for the whole movie, I was like, okay, how are they going to reveal that this was like his plan and that he knew he was dying, so he was just going to go out with a bang or something. But Yeah. Which yeah. I, I think that I think that was like the plan, right? Like I think that because you spend the entire middle section of the film, which I agree might be a little bit slow um, in some parts. Yeah, um, it's a little I, meandering. I, it's a little meandering, yeah, a, little bit, a little bit, yeah. Um, but I think I think like I, I think all of us kind of did, spent probably the middle of the film going, okay, really, what is Christopher Plummer's role in this? Because, <laughs> but and I think that was like a, I think that was a deliberate choice, even if the. Even if the way we got there was like kind of convoluted, <laughs> if you look at it in hindsight. Um, but yeah, I think I kind of the morphine thing, Merritt, absolutely was weird to me because I was like, okay, no, like he's obviously not been dosed with hair. I mean, with a morphine, he is like convincing her that she fucked up and he's gonna mm-hmm. kill himself because of some plan. Because yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone here has been in the hospital like I have and actually gotten intravenous narcotics, but like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that shit <laughs> yeah. works. That shit works immediately. Uh, right. So like, yeah, yeah, it's uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think he would be lucid enough to uh, do any of that. He scene. Concoct this like elaborate right. plan. Yeah, no, he not only that, real happy, real fast. Right. Like. Uh, honestly, like I wonder if he would even literally have the strength in his arms to cut his own throat because that's a oh, fucking hard oh, thing yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. But still, you know, like I think I, 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 I'm willing to hand wave that sort of thing away because of, of the setup with the characters and. You know. well, and a lot of the middle of the film is really Marta and Chris Evans's character Ransom, <laughs> which is <laughs> what a name, an incredible name, just like a fucking incre- yeah, just <laughs> god tier name. It's a very um. good name. Um, basically, them kind of working together, or so Marta thinks, to kind of figure all of this out and um of course chris evans is in a sweater which is the only thing yeah. anyone ever focused on um yeah. can you believe it an actor wears a sweater yeah well, and- I, I think i must have missed something about that whole thing because it was like yeah it was a sweater yeah it was the, it was like the zeitgeist of the film was- when and when that scene happened um yeah. i leaned over to danielle and was like 
That's the sweater. That's the sweater. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sweater. No, but really, He's like, like what sweater? Oh my god, the sweater. Yeah. I think it. I think it was like Christmas Day or something. Chris Evans tweeted a fucking photo of his dog in that sweater. <laughs> I'm looking I at this photo right now, and I swear to God, y'all, there were like a million people that were tweeting at him, going like, "That looks like the sweater that was in Knives Out." <laughs> Oh, and I was no. just like, I was like, I was like, y'all, what is happening right now? Um, uh, excuse me. On the New York Post right now, Chris Evans' sexy knives out sweater is a trend. Real guys sexy can jump on. Sex sweater? Sexy? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's a good looking dude. Like, is it sexy because Chris Evans is wearing yeah, it? Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. Like, I mean, it's like, right? Yeah, he could wear anything and be handsome. He's just a professionally handsome person. Like, it's yeah, not that's his job. It's people it's just like, keep uh, being impressed that like famous really people are looking. handsome, I and know. like that—that's so, why they're famous. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, really. Or or they are they are famous and then have tons of money to, uh, <laughs> to get extremely attractive and, yeah. and keep like physically fit constantly. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, uh, gosh. So really, like, the middle of the film is about the family, um, you know, discovering in the will reading that, of course, Harlan has left his considerable fortune to Marta. And, uh, of course, Marta is, like, shocked by this. Um, And so is the rest of the family. And so a lot of the middle of the film is really the interplay between Marta and the family and also Benoit Blanc still realizing that something is, like, amiss here but not really putting the pieces together. Um, yeah. There's two things, if I may point out yeah, about the, the will reading scene. One, the lawyer is Frank Oz, which yes. delights mm-hmm. me yeah. to no end. The lawyer <laughs> is so Yoda slash Miss Piggy, you know, right. the iconic, incredible actor, uh, Frank Oz. I just love him so much. And he just, he looks, he's at the point, in this movie, he looks like a small Muppet. Like, he's Grover a little bit right here. Just like, I, sure. I don't know, guys. Like, just sitting there. He's he's clearly on the payroll of this horrible rich family. And he's the lawyer who has, like, given up whatever in his life to do this. And he's just sitting there with his, his sleeves rolled up. Like, okay. You know, I like, crash course in legal language, basically, for these complete assholes who are just looking up bullshit online which is very good. But also the thing that is obviously really painful about this scene is that they turn on Marta so quick. And in a previous scene, uh, the the son who is the, the son who's the father of the Nazi. I don't know how else to put it. I don't remember his name. <laughs> comes over and is like, Marta, we want to help you. And the young daughter, the college age daughter, uh, is like, Marta, you know, we're gonna help you out. We're we're a rich family and we're gonna give you some money, kind of thing. You know, like, oh, okay, I, maybe there there's some hope for some of these people. And then immediately, immediately, they have turned on her. They're all accusing her of sleeping with Harlan, all of them. It's like the way they put it is really like, you boinking my dad. And she's just like boinking. What what is wrong with you people? And then has to run away in the car with uh, Chris Evans character. But it's really like, it's very funny, but it's also, this is, this is the knife going in the most in, in this whole movie. This is the moment right here where, yeah, it's like the most literal sort of not the most literal. That does actually come later, but the most like actual <laughs> painful point of the movie, right, is right here. Is is this feeling a betrayal? 
and, the, and the, the cinematography on that shot, too, is very much just like straight up like Village of the Damned, yes. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It is it is presented as such like a using such the language of horror during that mm-hmm. scene where it's just like they literally all start slowly turning and converging on her physically in this way that is just downright oppressive. Like the, right. the same the, the same way I felt like gutted about like Marta realizing that she had uh, made a mistake or thinking that she had made a mistake. Yeah. Like in a way, again, I've never fucking, um, you know, been in a life or death situation like that but we've all had those moments where we have made a mistake that we realize is going to have consequences and that there's nothing we can do to to uh fix it at that moment just the ground right. falling out underneath you yes yeah. to- totally like your stomach like just got, is gone uh this is that but for just like fear and like being yeah. cornered and surrounded like uh it's it's wild yeah and i mean like they they also pair her with chris evans who as far as we know the audience is one Harlan's favorite, uh, and also like actively hates the rest of the family. So it's kind yeah. of like <laughs> this audience stand-in of like, yeah, get in the car, I'll protect you. But you know, of course, nothing is as it seems. Of course, um, yeah, mean, all what, we know is could, that he's been could he's be in that accused sweater? the. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. I was gonna say all we know is that he's he's got to be kind of an asshole because he has definitely accused the youngest daughter of being, or the youngest, the granddaughter of being, of uh, studying SJW studies or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like he's no, already using right. the language They're of all like, awful. Yeah. he's also an alt-right asshole, just maybe not to the extreme degree of the, the Nazi child masturbating he, in the bathroom so far. He's a, <laughs> he's like a South Park guy. He's like, a, yeah. no, I'm above it all. Like it's all bad and I'm just in it for, for me. And like, you know, like no, both sides, you know, sort yeah. of thing. Like that's him from you know, the yeah, get go. Um, some men just want to watch the world burn, Mr. Bruce. <laughs> And that uh, that famous line by Benoit Blanc and his amazing <laughs> accent. <laughs> God. Oh God! Oh. So um, good. It is very good. I love Batman, and Batman is in this movie. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, well, Robin is actually. Robin is. Yeah, uh, what's his face is actually in the movie at like in a weird role as like a voiceover of a cop. What? Oh Who? yeah, wait. Which Joseph oh Gordon-Levitt is right. in this movie. Oh wow. Wait, what is Joseph Gordon-Levitt Robin? Way. Yo, wait, he was Robin in the he was a, a Robin stand-in in the Dark Knight Rises. Oh right. Yeah, yes. he, his middle I, name was Robin or whatever. Yeah, no, he is credited oh, in this movie. God, yeah, I think I he says one line. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I had completely excised honestly most of the Dark Knight Rises from my <laughs> mind, but <laughs> <laughs> or, or, yeah. Are Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Ryan Johnson just like best friends? They're in a lot of the same stuff. I think, or, I mean, I think he's in a lot like of his stuff. Inappropriate cameo, yeah, because he's in so many of his his very well known movies. So. Uh, which uh, earlier you asked uh, if I had seen any other uh, Ryan Johnson stuff. We should. I, I just wanted to mention that like Ryan Johnson also did Looper before this, which is yeah. also yeah. kind of a fun kind of genre film. Like it's not a mystery in, in any way, but I just think that like you know it's Ryan a, Johnson it's is a mind bender. Yeah, it's a little bit. Puzzles, it's a puzzle, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Ryan Johnson just excels at like making like I feel movies that are just know exactly what they are, but then like you know play an, around enough uh, with the like genre convention. I mean, that is literally what Star Wars: The Last Jedi is. Is yeah. it's like like let's undercut a bunch of the like you know uh, legacy and lore of this universe and like really try to hone in on you know, the problems with things like the Jedi order and whatnot. And like, he kind of does that here just with the whodunit genre instead. Yeah. 
And Looper does a lot of it as well, honestly. Like, it does a lot of that with some sci-fi kind of tropes and, and so on and so forth. Um, I want to also point out a little bit about the sort of the things that do work for me about the middle. And I do, again, this is kind of my biggest criticism is, number one, the morphine thing. But again, yeah, we could, we already kind of talked through that. And then the fact it is, it does, it, I don't think it ever drags because it's always moving. There's always yeah. something fun to kind of be watching. But it is a little bit long in the middle. But what does work for me is a sort of double play here. So Marta, who thinks she, believes she's guilty, is now working against Benoit to try to cover up some mm-hmm. of the evidence of the actual crime. And then there's the triple play going on because Chris Evans' character will be revealed later, also has his other motivations, and he's kind of doing certain things at this point, too. So there's kind of these different characters who are all fairly intelligent, whether or not they're, like, good people. Uh, you know, in the in the sort of parlance of the movie, two of them are genuinely, like, good people who who do want to see justice done here uh, for different reasons and in different ways. And then, of course, there's Chris Evans. But they're all kind of at <laughs> odds, and they're all playing a long game with each other, and the audience is just playing catch-up with all three of them at well, that point. And there's also this, like, hilarious play between, like, Benoit and Marta, where yes. Benoit, Benoit just, like, implicitly trusts Marta and, and uh, you know, just, like, really believes that Marta wants the best at all of this. So, like, yeah. cons- constantly lets her, like, out of his sight so she can do things like scramble a VHS tape and, like, yeah. like cover up mud tracks and just, like, and, and just, like, you know, throw pieces of evidence, like, uh, into the woods and stuff like that. And, it's just, and like, the dog gets it. The it's dog, so yeah. good. It's so good. <laughs> it's really, really good. The early, the very early scene where they first establish and and show on screen that Marta uh, uh, has to throw up any time that she lies, uh, and that is like kind of the basis for why he trusts her so much at the beginning is like so good. I can't forget if it's uh, Daniel Craig or if it's uh, Lakeith Stanfield who says it, but it's like when she throws up, one of them just shouts like, "Oh shit! I thought that was metaphorical." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah it's really, really it's good. So good. And there are a lot so of just like there, there are just a lot of little pieces that like we don't know how they're gonna end up that kind of get introduced in the middle. Like, um, you know, there's Harlan's mother who is still inexplicably alive. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. and like and she you know, ate the whole shrimp boat or whatever. Right. Right. Life. And she's she's was at the party and apparently ate herself to sleep. And, um, and nobody knows how old she is. Nobody knows how old she is. And they just like prop her up in the corner. And she's probably seen everything to, you know, prove or disprove any of the actual crime. But that's always that's kind of dangled in front of us as the audience, like for, you know, a good 20 minutes or so, which is kind of funny. Um, well, we know she sees Marta. Yeah. There that. is that scene. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we also don't know what else she saw, which kind of comes out to. Um, and of course, you know, Ransom, uh, turns out is at the center of all of this. Um, and a lot of this kind of unravels when Marta discovers the housekeeper Fran in a, uh, address in an email, which is sent to her anonymously. Um, and Marta has to confess everything to Blanc and LeBlanc still thinks something is fishy and that's where things kind of unravel. Do y'all want to kind of talk about the climax? Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, Merritt, did, how, how did you see this un- unraveling? Did you, uh, did you expect Chris Evans to kind of be at the center of this after a while? Or, um, I mean, at some point, it's like his character presenting himself is like this. Like, you knew. 
it's, knight in shining armor, this sure. like white knight guy, basically, right? Um, in, a, in, a, in a big, 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 thick sweater that everybody just fucking loves. Everyone is crazy <laughs> about this sweater like until it turns dog. out yeah. that the sweater says something racist, and then, uh, okay. yeah, I know, but um, it gets a little like a little convoluted it's towards really the end. Convoluted. But yeah. Yeah. I guess like all. <laughs> mysteries have to be to some extent and i think the like eventual solution isn't quite up there with like some of the best mystery writing like um like a christie no it's it's not like a, no it's definitely or not like a, a, a christie level no yeah yeah or like a niall marsh um sure. but yeah like i do appreciate the fact that there's just like reveal after reveal after reveal <laughs> um yeah and the of course like the the final like climactic scene is a little like a little cute i think like it's a little <laughs> so can the i just talk about cup. that yeah 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 so yeah i mean like um maybe this is going too far ahead because we haven't talked about the whole setup for this but the scene with the fake knife yeah sure uh well the let's i mean that let's is a, go, let's yeah that's, let's that's, build up to that. that's established very early on as this is like centerpiece of this study which is almost this like game of thrones like yes uh, it's an inverted know, iron throne right <laughs> yeah where basically it's this <laughs> halo of knives sticking out from this this like seat and uh anyone who sits in it which all the people being interviewed throughout the movie are sitting right in this thing you know it's not subtle exactly um, but it's, you know, it's like representative of Harlan's entire career and it's basically just staring us at in the face, like for the entire two hour runtime. I mean, it's like, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's incredible. I mean, you put a gun above the mantelpiece, you got to fucking use it right. Yeah, Eventually. Exactly. Like, I mean, and they even go farther than that. Like they, they, like I saw that kind of reveal coming a, kind of a mile away partially because like right at the beginning of that movie Harlan literally says to Marta like yeah. that Ransom can't tell the difference between like a real knife from a prop knife <laughs> or something yeah. like that Metafor yeah. speaking metaphorically at that point but then it turns out to be uh, a real thing at the end and I think that's just kind of emblematic of the movie in general to a certain degree is that it is a schmaltzy movie like it, right. it, it, sure. uh, it is yeah um it, but I think its heart is mostly in the right place throughout that. So it's like I'm willing to kind of like let that slide because it's like, you know, schmaltzy so often in film, like especially these days, feels like it's just actually just a stand in word or like a stand in kind of tone for actually just being like sh super shitty and regressive uh, and like ne almost reactionary sometimes. Uh, and this movie is actually like using it is a little bit more warm hearted. Um, but is actually saying some some pretty nice things at the end of the day, like whether or not, you know, they, they get a little bit heavy handed with just like having Daniel Craig constantly standing around being like, yes, uh, a woman of color, you are right. You are all right all along. <laughs> and here I am sure. to validate you. <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, but also like there, but there are also subtler moments that that back that up and support that. And I, I think it's earned in, in a lot of places, like the, the fact that he uh, that Benoit is like. When Marta is, thinks that she is, like, completely done in uh, and that she is the murderer and everything like that, he's like, you know, 
I'm not going to stop you from confessing to this murder. I think it, I don't, I have my own opinions about it. I'm even going to, uh, he doesn't even say like, I don't feel right about this, but you do it. You, he's like, I have my own opinions. I'm going to keep them to myself because this is your decision. He like literally just doesn't even speak his mind about the situation. Um, and I think that's a nice little moment there. And then of course, like sets, sets up another like goofball moment with him, which is that like, uh, she's like walking, kind of doing that, like, uh, uh, final mile walk to go like invest on the murder. And he like, just happens to glance down at the toxicology report that is going to exonerate her. Uh, and then he's just like, and like, like stumbles in <laughs> after her really quickly, like a slapstick like, like character. A fucking cartoon character. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I felt so vindicated by that just from being like, there's no way that was morphine. And I was like, that's right. That's right. That wasn't morphine. God <laughs> damn it. Which would have, <laughs> now that I'm thinking of it, you could have just made up a drug that nobody's ever heard of and just said. Sure. <laughs> but that's it's okay. not like <laughs> puke lying disease is real. At least I don't think right? so. Of course. Like, it's we're already playing in a pretty heightened you know, above, very, 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 very heightened, honestly, uh, genre and with character actors who are hamming it right the fuck up the whole way through. So, yeah, it, it's it does, I think, kind of uh, dance with cartoonishness at so many points. But sure. there's such a joyful vibe to it. There's such a it, I, I do think it's schmaltzy, but I also think it's like. I think I also said this about Control, which is funny, but uh, things that don't necessarily look like if you look at like Control and you look at its massive, you know, kind of block letters in front of, uh, Mm. you know, a brutalist architecture, you don't necessarily think joyful. When you think about a whodunit, you don't necessarily think joyful. But I guess in both of these cases, it really is. There's like a, a really happy, chaotic energy kind of riding through all of this movie in the performances, in the framing, in a lot of the editing, which is like fast and fun and, and has a lot of nice little cuts. Uh, so, yeah, I, I actually think this is like a really happy movie and it feels really good to watch it, uh, which I think helps me get over the fact that, yeah, there's some there's some cartoony ass moments in here, it's, but it's it's, it's like. It's doing the right things for me to have a very good time watching it. Just a very quick thing to kind of go off of your cartoony energy comment. It's just like, to me, this almost feels like the closest we'll ever get to like a good Western interpretation of Phoenix Wright. Mm. <laughs> if that makes sense it's like yeah somebody's dead but really it's it's kind of a gag at the same time it's it's kind of fun and it's just full of colorful characters and everybody and that you know the people uh have to work through logic to get to the end of this and you know you have to figure stuff out but like it, it is that heightened sense of of drama and heightened sense of reality in, in a lot of places which uh ends up working i think way more often than it doesn't I, I I even got we we got up to the climax and I still was sitting there going, I don't know if like Benoit Blanc is actually a good detective or if like none of, like <laughs> if he's just straight up like not going to solve any of this. I was like, <laughs> like I was like I know there's going to be some sort of like you know uh, redemptive arc here, but I don't know where it's coming from. And like there's a there's definitely a cartoonishness to how quickly Benoit puts this together at the very very end. It's like an episode of House. Like house oh, is just like yeah. house is just like wow wow you've got lupus okay let's test you for lupus wow you've got cancer you've got triple cancer okay no not that um, okay it's pneumonia okay it's SARS um, 
Oh fuck! Yeah. You, you played with a spider last Tuesday, and it but it it didn't bite you, but it did lay eggs on your shoulder. Oh, you have this. <laughs> it's like it, it it's yeah. just out of it's kind of out of nowhere, and and like I love the escalation of like you know uh, ro- uh ransom has to like burn down the uh the medical examiner office and like mm-hmm. you know there's just yeah. a lot of stuff that like it keeps getting up and up and up in kind of it's it's escalation and i think you know ultimately that's probably what made it obvious to benoit to put those things together is just how crazy it got um, and and he has moments of competence throughout oh, that like lay the groundwork yeah. like I mean, when when he notices the the broken um window uh stuff and like the finds the secret entrance or uh even just like it, it's not even just like logical competence like he has like a they go out of their way to establish that he has like emotional competence in ways that we don't really see presented in movies very often. Yeah. Like the, the moment where he's like willing to sit down with like Nana Harlan. Right. Uh, right. Nana Thromby. I, 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 um, you know, I, I was like, he's definitely a Columbo, but I didn't know he was a Columbo until like halfway <laughs> through the movie. I was like, Oh, okay. So he is kind of a dipshit, but he knows what he's doing. And also he kind of has this emotional intelligence and, I think, like, you know, it's obvious Ryan Johnson really likes Columbo, and he really likes Agatha Christie, and... Um, Fucking me too, man. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, totally. Right? I mean, I mean, I he, you know, he doesn't have exactly a, oh, one more thing, but, like, Benoit <laughs> definitely has, like, that vibe. Um, and by the end of it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a thing. Like, he's going to... This is going to be a franchise. This is going to be something that he tries to... Uh, make work, and that apparently is true. There, he's thinking about working on a second one with Benoit. Um, with probably also, a, this movie made a lot of money. It for made its a lot budget. of money. Oh, yeah. yeah, it made uh, <laughs> made two hundred eighty million dollars against a forty million dollar budget. So that's a pretty pretty big chunk of change. Um, I was so relieved for Marta because yes. she was. <laughs> I mean, she's so she is such a good like wonderful caring kind character that like you know finding out that like she didn't really fuck up and like um she you know her her propensity to care for everyone else is pretty much like what got her both in and out of this and um i was like so i didn't think this would have a dark ending but i thought it might have a complicated ending and the fact that it really wrapped up really nicely for her i was um yeah i don't know I, i i loved that i thought that was really nice I almost like I almost like wanted to cry and clap when she oh, does yeah. CPR I mean, I, I, yeah. on Fran yep. when she's mm-hmm. like she's because, you know, you see her going down the road with Chris Evans character and like doing the things to cover it up. And she's so fucking uncomfortable about all of it. And then it comes down to that second where she thinks she's been double crossed. She thinks all this shit has happened. And she's like, no, I'm just going to do what I got to do. And it's like this really nice like you're a real one, Marta. Like, it's just this, like, mm-hmm. kind of nice moment of, she's like, fuck this, I can't do this anymore, I don't want to barf anymore, you know, kind of thing. Well, and the framing on that scene is like, I can't think of a specific example, but I know everybody on this podcast is going to know what I'm talking about. Like, that exact style of scene has happened in every fucking TV show and movie we've ever watched, right, where, like, a character is, like, confronted with, like, an obvious setup, and they're like, oh, no, what do I do? And they run out of the room, and the cops are already there, or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's always presented the exact same way and framed the exact same way, except in this, it, they have her like, no, fuck it, I'm staying. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going, to, I can't leave someone who is dying yeah. in front of me. Yeah. And, the, and then the reveal at the very, very end, the, the absolute 
just cartoonist, <laughs> most cartoonish moment where she barfs all over <laughs> Simmons <laughs> and his immaculate sweater. And he tries to stab her with a fake knife. And it was a fake knife because he doesn't know his uh, real knife from his, you know, prop knife. And all of it is a lot. But it comes together like that really satisfying, like. Oh, you got the puzzle in like a not terribly difficult puzzle game, but you still <laughs> like doing it. You still feel that satisfaction of it. It was it was very nice. And I do want to ask how people felt about like that final like crane shot and the, the coffee cup and everything where it kind of shows because there's so much about this movie that is about racism, you know, pretty directly. Yeah. Uh, there's an earlier scene where Don Johnson's character is giving Marta like a thing to clean up. And it's like she's a nurse. She's a medical professional. She's not here to fucking clean up after you. But he's going on and on about how, you know, he's saying a lot of very racist things about oh. immigrants the whole time. He gets the country wrong. They all get the country wrong. That is like a through line in this movie is like all these shitty white people are getting the country of like that her mother came from wrong. Like and, these people are such fucking assholes. And the fight and the uh, fucking and the fucking scene where they invite her over to get her yeah. to like participate in this. You want to work here, right? Ugh. Like you you definitely want to like you want to do things the right way. You know, like I was crawling Good out Christ. of my fucking skin. Um yeah. but yeah, like the entire movie is just that after that after that. And, so, and then there's the Late, li- very late line where Chris Evans shows his true face. The mask slips and he he starts being very yep. like instead of being, you know, whatever the South Park racist or, or whatever, <laughs> the asshole who whatever, both sides are equally bad. He just the fully it slips where he talks about birthright and our, you yep. know, our land, like really full on, <laughs> you know, all right shit. And Benoit because this is this movie has that great line about like fuck you he bought it in the 80s from like a pakistani yeah, real good. estate dude like it's it's so good but it's also like there is that pointed edge to it there is absolutely i i honestly wonder and i haven't read anything about this but i do wonder about like how much this movie hates alt right trolls like, does it have anything to do with, like, the backlash from The oh Last Jedi? Like, could it possibly, could he possibly have, you know, Rian Johnson have been making this movie and, like, adding lines in, thinking, like, this is to you, racist Star Wars fan who can't, like, deal with the fact that there's people of color in these movies now? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a stretch. But I can't imagine that that does nothing to do with it and how pointed it can be at times. There's absolutely no way that that wasn't, like, a landmark, like, event in <laughs> right? the, the lives of a lot of people involved with that movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ryan Johnson probably slightly less directly than the woman who played Rose. But, yeah, of uh, course, of course. But, uh, yeah, but being, I, like, I, hopefully, if, if he's made these two movies, hopefully somebody who gives a shit about how his work is received and, and what it's saying. I mm-hmm. I can't not see that. And again, maybe this is just me reading into it a little bit, but... Feels like that's of a piece, possibly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I certainly, you know, like y'all were saying, I think, I think that had to have been like an incredibly difficult part of his life is having this, like, you know, this, you know, the biggest opportunity of his career, and you know, there's some corners of the of the critical audience that loved it so much, but then the very, very vocal people who hated it for mostly reasons that you know fucking suck and like. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see some of those counter reactions in the script. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, um, hopefully he, you know, his next one has uh, Kelly Marie Tran in it and it's just, it's just oh, hell yeah, yeah. and it's just her for, That'd be great. it's just her yeah. for two hours. 
um, instead of being ri- <laughs> instead of being written to the side. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh no, she had to go study, John. Jesus Christ. It's it's important. That that image of her there's I'm sure you've all seen it, it went super viral of like her laughing when the reporter is like, How do you feel about your character? And oh, I'm paraphrasing. God. I don't remember yeah. the exact uh wording, but like, how do you feel about your character? And she's just like, ha ha and then she's like, Oh fuck, PR, oh Christ, you know, kind of thing. It's just like whoo! Oh, we should we should do an entire episode just about some of that stuff yeah. at some point, yeah. but yeah. Oh, God. Um, well, all right, well, I, you know, I, I want more whodunits. I think someone wrote it in the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, this movie was one of the last movies I saw in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, like, it's just fun. It's like, just it's yeah. like <laughs> yes. a fun, it's like, it was just like, oh, yeah, like, movies can just be, like, fun. Like, I saw a lot of very good movies in 2019 and this was one of them and it's not good in like a way that's like you know incredibly insightful right. or sure. all you know technically beautiful but it's just fun and like it's really depressing that like it stood <laughs> out that much because like we could just have movies like this instead yep. of having like mm-hmm. disney only marvel superheroes and, and joker and yeah. joker and star wars like you know, like our like, oh, I'm gonna go see like a popcorn flick. Could be this, yeah. And like, imagine living in that world. And the thing is, like, this movie cost. You know, we th- this movie made as much money back as Star Wars cost to make. Like, you right. could have, you could have like a dozen of these a year, and it wouldn't put a dent in like anybody's coffers. As opposed to like, okay, we gotta have four of the like. I like a lot of Marvel movies. I like superheroes just in general, just fine. Uh, maybe less so these the days than than maybe a few years ago. But like. Yeah. Also, they're, they're so regimented and so, like, specifically, like, rationed out in, a, like, a very meticulous and mechanical and kind of heartless way. Whereas, like, you could just, like, throw a dozen of these against the wall every year and maybe not all of them stick. Maybe not all of them land. But, like, ones like this will. You know, like, maybe maybe three of them do. Maybe four of them do. And right. they can be, like, completely different and against the grain of everything else that's going on for very low investment. I mean, it's... it's yeah, not to say... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, it's it's nuts that, like anything below 50 million dollars for a movie budget right now seems like nothing seems like <laughs> yeah, nothing. Right. Yeah. i mean yep and and it's like it's it's exactly like you're saying steven it's like it's either heartless and costs 300 million dollars to make or it's like the most niche product you could put out there and it costs nothing and i love art <laughs> that's 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 that's, that's the box I love, I love art. John Warren, uh, 2020. You. Um, but but like, but like, yeah, it does frustrate me. That's like, I I don't necessarily want 200 million dollars worth of computer graphics in in my movies. Like, this was just a really competently made, um, funny, like you know, quippy script. I mean, it's just it's it's not easy to make shit like this. But I also I also think there's like a lot of opportunity to make a lot of stuff like this. And it's, it is frustrating. Yeah. I, I just want to support that by saying, I, I can't imagine that the actors, nothing about this is easy. Nothing about no, any nothing part about of the craft of it is easy. I don't want to say that at all, but like, it looks like the actors had some fucking fun yep. doing this. Oh yeah. And yeah, I yeah, imagine yeah. this was fun to write as well. Like this is, <laughs> this is fun, right? This is not like, Oh, yeah. this painstaking and, exercise like, in money making. <laughs> right? No, like, right. And like, yeah, I don't know. Like you're you're not playing a character that fans have like these 
completely unhinged, like 50 year expectations about yeah. uh, you're interacting with other people. You're not just like standing in front of a green screen waiting mm-hmm. for Thanos to be like added in later or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a movie, you know, like oh. a movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, with God. acting. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to find it now. There was a there was a David Lynch quote. Com- it's impossible to find right now because David Lynch is in that fucking monkey movie today too. Um, but there was a quote on on uh, Twitter today that somebody was sharing around from a book that he I think wrote uh, like an audio autobiography or something like that, where he was basically just talking about how so many um, and this is not quite tied to like the Marvel stuff necessarily, but he was like kind of talking about like. Um, how a lot of directors will like you know try to trick or scare their actors into getting like authentic performances and he was talking about how like i find that actually like if you make somebody hate their job they're going to hate their job and they're going to hate doing it they're going to resent coming to do it and coming to be around you instead like i love to have fun with my actors like i love to like I, everybody is supposed to be there to to have fun doing this job or whatever it's like one of the funnest things you can do as a profession or whatever. So like, why not lean into that? I'm, I get a hundred times better performances out of people who enjoy coming to work every day and like enjoying what they do than people who are there, like terrified that uh, Jared Leto is going to leave a dead dog on their oh footstep God. or whatever. <laughs> like, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, this movie feels like that. Oh, to, also to that point, like Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie, I'm just a major <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis fan in general, but like throughout this movie, she's just motherfucking playing that, like wine meme of her throughout the entire film uh, as a character (laughs) and i think she like knows it like i think like she's there's so many actors in this movie who are just really good at like they're usually heroes in other movies and they're just so ready to like lean into being the bad guy in very specific petty ways like tony collette is oh uh, yes oh oh, in in her second appearance on steven the transition between seeing hereditary and then seeing this movie (laughs) was was fucking whiplash i was like whoa Um, I was just gonna say the last Tony Collette movie we talked about on this podcast was Krampus, and that was a yeah. different kind of whiplash. Where she uses hereditary face, mm-hmm. which yeah. is yeah. a lot. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, she's yeah. extremely good. Extremely good. Um, any anything else to to point out here before we uh, we hit the dusty trail? I like that that racist younger granddaughter is like. Mm. I just like the the journey of her from being like just an entitled little asshole who vapes. Of course, relatable <laughs> hashtag. And then and then is like, oh no, Marta. You know, I'm learning. I'm learning the real things in college. Like, no, Marta. We don't call her the help. You know, very like, I'm here to be it's a white ally woman. Right, right, you right. know, yeah. very performative. Then she shows her true colors. And then there is like a. I just think it's good that it's there's a complication there. It's not just she to me does not read as a fully cartoonish person the way most of the other characters do it's like she's a performative shitty white feminist but there might actually be some hope for her or some hope for growth in the slightest maybe i don't know i just there's something there to her performance there's something about the apology that was like oh it's genuine you know you're you're a fuck up like you know you actually fucked up yeah yeah. And, and she's put into a like they, they do a good job of making sure that like they set it up that like she is put into a pretty difficult position by like virtue of the fact that like what happened what they try to do to Marta by like um, cornering her in the room to like you know have it out with her and like browbeat her into giving them everything that they think they are 
Ode uh, happens to her. Like, we see her call up Marta to try and, like, figure out where she is or whatever, and then the camera pulls back and reveals her entire family has, like, surrounded her and whatever, like, because so much of the movie is, like, focused on Marta's perspective, and I think that's also part of why the Columbo thing kind of works for, um, uh, for... Uh, LeBlanc, because we don't yeah. see much of his perspective, much like you do with Columbo. Um, we don't get to see, like, what happened in the interim there that, like, what did they, you know, what did they say? Like, this is her family. Like, you know, it's a, it, the, she's she's surrounded, she's cornered, and, like, being pressured as well. Like, she is not let off the hook. I don't think the movie, like, lets anybody no, off the hook. which is good, and it shouldn't. She fucked up. <laughs> yeah, she really like, did. She genuinely and, fucks up. Yeah. And I would say Harlan fucked up too. Like I think Har- yeah. I, I alluded to it earlier, like Harlan pushed his family away to a large degree. And like, you know, Harlan could have helped Marta a lot more prior to this or whatever. And like, you know, even going the ridiculous, like fucking madcap route that he did put Marta in a completely different situation. And he could have foreseen that too. Like, it's not like he, you know, knew that this was going to work out perfectly. Um, but he yeah, made like all these monsters, it's all yeah, his he, fault. You know, yeah, (laughs) he made all these monsters and he was one to to his own, uh, you know, uh, of his own flavor to a certain degree, Um, you know, maybe less so. And and he felt penitent about it, much like the the daughter did, I I feel like. But again, the movie does a good job of making sure nobody gets out of this like completely clean, except for Marta, basically. Um, Yeah. LeBlanc, I guess, to a certain degree and like the the cops in general, but like they're more just kind of like almost comic relief throughout (laughs) so much of the movie. (laughs) I mean, yeah. It, just quickly to mention uh, that the fact that the other cop, the sort of more supporting cop, not Lakeith Stanfield, is just like a big <laughs> the fan, fan of the books. <laughs> and Benoit, like he's just like there to be a fanboy. And it's it's kind of funny. There's a lot of good little like tiny jokes there, which are pretty fun. Yes. Uh, Knives Out is really good. I really, really, really like this movie. Um I uh, I think it was one of my favorite films of 2019. That and Parasite were probably two of my favorites. Hell yeah! Um, oh, I still haven't seen that. Oh, you should oh. absolutely see Parasite. Very. I love the host, and I've really loved Snowpiercer. So yeah, I think I, you I like should. that Parasite too. Yeah, Parasite's real good. Um, okay, well, uh, we loved to see <laughs> Knives <laughs> Out, uh, <laughs> and I think. That, I think that's all for this week. I really hope you enjoyed our cinematic journey with us. Please, please be sure to rate and review our <laughs> podcast. It actually really, really helps us out. Uh, you can find all of our podcast stuff at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Uh, hey, Danielle, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Danielle R-I-D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-R-I. Hey, Steven, where can we find you online? You can find me at at Steven Strom on Twitter. That's S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M. You can also reach out to the podcast in general at podcasts at fanbyte.com. That's mm-hmm. plural, I believe. Um, just thing that we have uh, been really uh, remiss in reminding people that we do have an email address <laughs> have for this. We have an email address. We do. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can email us any question you want there. Any question at all. Merit, where can we find you online? Uh, that's at Merit K on Twitter. And what is your friendster? My friendster is, uh, yeah, uh, no, I'm not on friendster. I'm on Napster. Okay, actually. on Napster. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So if you want to download uh, incorrectly labeled parody songs that attribute really heinous jokes to Weird Al that he would never do, <laughs> then uh, then please uh, find me on on LimeWire, on Napster, on SoulSeek. 
That's very good. Thank oh, you. God, Soul Seek. Um, I had not thought about Soul Seek in a very long time. Uh, I've never heard of it. You can uh, you can find <laughs> you can find me, John Warren, at Floppy Adult on Twitter. Um, and uh, let's see, where can you find Fanbyte? You can find Fanbyte on Twitter at Fanbyte Media. Uh, still holding out hope that we can get that at Fanbyte. No one gets that right <laughs> casually. Anyway. It's at Fanbyte Media, Instagram at Fanbyte, TikTok at Fanbyte. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, but why the fuck would you want to be on Facebook? Um, <laughs> and of course, you can find us on fanbyte.com. Uh, you can also watch Late Lunch, our Monday, Wednesday, Friday uh, stream slash podcast talk show on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. Uh, any final parting words? Uh, mostly that I just searched for at fanbyte on Twitter to see the dozens upon dozens, oh. maybe hundreds of messages oh. that are being sent, intent, meant to be sent to us. Yep. <laughs> just uh. noticed that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a real problem um, <laughs> in this in this digital day and age. Uh, oh, also, uh, gosh, Merritt is doing a really great uh, uh, new new Pope podcast right now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're Papal doing a, a new Pope podcast called Papal Bull Resurrection. It's a sequel to uh, our Young Pope Companion podcast, and uh, that's me and Fanbyte Chief. Uh, liturgical correspondent Eric Thurm, <laughs> who is and, uh, who is also, I believe, our political correspondent. So also yes. our political yes. correspondent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that uh, that's on this feed too. So yeah, if you've seen that and you're like, what is this? Uh, it's about the Paolo Sorrentino's completely unhinged uh, television series, The New Pope, starring Jude Law and John Malkovich. So yeah. Check it out. If you ever think about how weird the Pope is, this show is like eight times weirder than what you think the Pope is weird about. It's very good. Um, <laughs> I, I and there, and say, there are Mer- two of them. So yeah, there's two, oh, now. Yeah. two now. I was going to say, Merritt did not misspeak there. Uh, the show does still star Jude Law and John Malkovich, despite, as longtime fans might know, the fact that Jude Law is in a coma in that series. They they find a way. You can listen to this week's episode yeah. to find out. He is a ghost now. Um, <laughs> and, he, and he congratulates his friend for not having sex. So that is a real thing that happens that I'm not joking about. Yeah. <sighs> that show that's very good all right well check out all that stuff uh this was you love to see it for knives out uh join us next time bye-bye bye bye, bye. bye.